Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Good. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, Jesus is speaking here. These are his words and he says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. It's a powerful passage of Scripture. Jesus is hinting at something very, very important that I want to talk about today. So if you're taking notes this morning, part four, the final part of this series on margin is this, balance the margin. That's the title of the message, balance the margin. I want to speak specifically about relationships this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity always, Father, to come under your word, to allow it to speak to us, God. Father, we just thank you right now that we need you. And it's actually a beautiful thing that we as your children, Lord, can depend on you. So God, we thank you for the opportunity to come in, hear your word, be in your presence, Lord, to be in agreement with, with other believers, God. We pray today you would speak to us through your word, Lord, that there would be something different that happens, Lord, when we consider your word, when we allow it to permeate who we are, God. Speak through your word. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here to minister to us and to show us things and to, to help us to be all that God's called us to be. And we pray for colonial kids as always, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you love the generations, God. And that you've got a plan and a purpose for them, Lord. Thank you, Father, that in that room right now, Lord, we can prophesy there are future leaders of your house. God, there are people that are going to step up, Lord, and be worship leaders, Father, and, and prayer warriors, Father, and, and preachers of the word of God. Father, we thank you that, that there's not just a glorified daycare in there, God, but you're, you're raising a leadership up, Lord. It's a nursery for leadership in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Margin, the little... That goes a long way. What is margin? Margin, I describe it as like this. It's the space that once existed between ourselves and our limitations. And it's our, I guess, responsibility in life to live with margin built in. You were never meant to live always on empty, with no margin, with no available space, with no spare capacity, no, no ability to, to, to give of something to live your life completely maxed out. No one was ever called to live that way. It's a lie of the enemy. It's, de it's deception that because of the age or the, the time and the space that we're called to live with nothing in the tank, that God wants us to have margin built in. I started the series by talking about physical rest. The title of the message was Just Let Me Catch My Breath. And it was all about rest and how constantly filling our lives up with all the stuff going here and there and going all over the place. Just because you can do more doesn't mean you should do more. Just because there's the opportunity to, to have more things in your life doesn't mean that you should have more things in your life. Are you getting the picture? 
God's called us to live with margin. Part two of the series I called Manage the Margin, which was all about emotional health, anxiety. It was about allowing ourselves to to have some space to recognize some signs that might be coming when it comes to our own mental health and our own space and emotional struggles that we all face. And some of the key points from the series has been things like this. And I brought this in part one, which was that margin is like a friend to me. But marginless living is like a thief. See, a friend is is adding to my life. A friend is like a benefit to have a friend in my life. But to have a marginless world means it's almost like someone's robbing from me all the time. Someone's taking things from me. I end up saying things like, man, I just got no time left anymore. I feel, where did all my time go? When it comes to finances, I could say things like, man, where did all my money go? Where did my resource go? I'm living marginless. I'm living overloaded in my life. I talked last week about building margin into the the world of our resource, of our finances, and how honoring God is the first step in that process, putting Him first. But we're called to build margin in that area as well. Does anyone believe that this morning? And I pray that message, although it's a tricky subject in church sometimes to talk about money, people begin to seize up. But it's actually true. God's got a lot to say about our resource, and ultimately it all comes from Him. Can I get an amen? But today I want to speak specifically about relationships. We live in a relational world. The relationships in our world, they ultimately, they frame our world. They're all around us. Relationships are such a key part of life. Um, They confront us, relationships, from the very beginning to the end. You think about it, the moment you're born, you're, you're confronted with relationships. There it is. Bang, it's there. Relationships are in your world. They're everywhere. And I had this thought this week as I was preparing this particular message. I thought, I wonder how many relationships or, or friendships or, or all of that that we have in a, in a lifetime. And I, and I started to do some reading. It was interesting. Researchers have revealed that we make nearly 400 friendships in a lifetime, but maintain only a handful. A leading relationship psychologist said this recently, two generations ago, we probably would not have made anywhere near 400 friends. But because we're a lot more mobile now, we don't always live in the same place for extended periods or have the same job for a, a, a whole period of uh, a career. But we come into contact with more and more people. So the number of friends may exceed that or go more, but the number of close friends who we can really count on when we need them, this is interesting, is kind of unchanged. So even though we have more sort of in the periphery, more relationships that could enter into our world, the actual number of close friends has stayed the same. And that's where margin comes in. But relationship is a big deal. Your life, my life, it's made up of this whole ecosystem of relationships. 400 friends, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? So you have 400 friends, but then think about this, add in work relationships, which if you're in a the type of business maybe where you have a, a whole list, a contact list of, of, of customers, you could add in all these, all this extra list, and then add on top of that maybe your church life and those relationships, and and then you add into that you have family, obviously, which is the core of us. We have those relationships as well, and all of a sudden, how many relationships do we have? It's a whole lot, but relationships are vital. I believe we're called to do relationships well, not perfect, not perfect, but well. But relationships are often a balancing act. That's why I called the message Balance the Margin, because relationships are often sometimes just this balancing act of too much, too little, 
How much, how, how much can I offer? How much can I take? How much, you know, where's the balancing act? But relationships certainly are a balance. That's for sure. I remember when Jill and I first met. And uh, thankfully, it's not like this anymore because we're married. And, uh, but I remember when we first met, and we were, you know, I was really interested. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when, we, when we first met, I was really interested. But I didn't necessarily want her to know just how interested I was. Because it was a balancing act. She'd call and she'd say, hey, you want to hang out after you get done at work? She was at Bible college. I was working. And, you know, I'd sort of sit there on the other end of the, other end of the phone and play it cool. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, yeah, let, I just need to see what's happening in my schedule. I, yeah, I, I could probably be available. <laughs> it was a balancing act. I didn't want to come on too strong. But at the same time, I also wanted to let her know I was interested. It's a balancing act. Thankfully, we're not there anymore. We're under a covenant. She can't get away from me now. (laughs) But there's a balance in relationships. But there's also margin that we can build in. Sometimes there's more balance with some relationships than others. Keeping people happy over here, keeping people happy over there, and people trying to keep us happy. There's almost this, this sense of sometimes relationships can fill us up and sometimes relationships can, can empty us out, can deplete us. There's a balancing act. But the truth is this morning that relationships are God's idea and he wants us to do them well. And we can build margin in. In Proverbs 27, I love this scripture. I want to read it from the Passion Translation, but it says this in verse 9. Sweet friendships... You put relationships, sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrance of incense of God's presence. So never give up on a friend or abandon a friend of your father. For in the day of your brokenness, you won't have to run to a relative for help. A friend nearby is better than a relative far away. And my first thought this morning, just as we dive into this, My first thought this morning, you can write this down if you're taking notes, but how I see me affects how I see other people. That's my first thought, my first idea sort of that I wanted to bring up this morning was that if we're going to talk about margin in relationships, if we're going to be able to build margin into our world relationally, the first thing we've got to understand is how I actually think about myself, how I actually see myself, how I I believe that God sees me actually affects in a big way how I see others and how other people in my world will will be affected by that, but I wonder today, do you see yourself as someone of value? Do you see yourself as someone who's treasured by God? Do you see, see yourself as someone like the psalmist David said in, in Psalm 139? He says, For you formed my in, inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I wonder today if you see yourself as fearfully and wonderfully made. Or have you allowed life? Or have you allowed maybe the, the enemy? Or maybe just the world that we live in? Or maybe relationships, maybe the wrong people's voices allowed you to get to a place where you're like, I don't feel so fearfully and wonderfully made. I feel broken. I feel empty. I feel not worth anything. But we need to understand that's not how God sees us. And if we can get our context right, it's going to help us when it comes to our relationships. You are treasured. You are valued. God, God is, He knows the beginning. He knows the, the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. He loves you. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that is the framework by which we need to enter relationships into our world. But there's a balancing act. And if we get it the wrong way around, it can bring about calamity or disaster. Relationships have the ability to drain us down, but it's amazing how relationships have the ability to fill us up. I know there are people in my world that I can go and spend time with, and it's incredible how filled up I get. How all of a sudden there's wind in my sails, how that person I spend time with, they, they put into me. And it helps me. There's, there's, there's this amazing sense if I spend time with someone, that relationship can build me up. And when it comes to my own margin, if I can read the, the dashboard of my own life, if my relational margin is getting low, that's where I need to go. I need to go and spend time with them, not with other people that are going to deplete me, that are going to empty me out. So there's this amazing balancing act that we get into. I think today especially, I've been talking a lot about cultural society, uh, the construct we're in, but I think right now there's this amazing sense of mobility in the world that's, that's, caught, that's, that's come about from this technological age. But what that's doing is this, it's that mobility of being able to move around and go different places and do different things. If we're not careful, that can cause this sense of isolation or uprootedness. And that can affect our relationships. That can affect our margin. Just because you can go and do more things doesn't mean you should go do more things. And isolation is absolutely one of the tools of the enemy. He'd love to get you isolated. He would love to get you away from people that fill you up and the people that affirm your destiny and people that, that put into you. He'd love to get you around people that are maybe f- filled with negativity and maybe don't, aren't believers or aren't, aren't people that are going to push you in the direction that he has for you. So I want to talk a little bit about relationships and building margin, balancing margin. And point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write this down because this is I believe that the place that we need to start is here. Number one, there is purpose in people. When it comes to relationships, we've got to understand, we need to maybe even reframe our own context and understand that there is purpose in people. This is why Jesus died on a cross, because there is purpose in people. That's why he died. That's why he was buried. That's why he rose again. Why? It wasn't to settle some ancient score or to... to, to you know, I think sometimes people, if they don't understand how much Jesus loves people through his word, but you can, some people can think of it as some historical narrative where there was some war that needed to end, so Jesus came. He didn't come for that. He came for people. He came for you and he came for me, but there is purpose in people. And if we can have that perspective, it will change the way we see relationships. There is purpose in people. So therefore, people are the prize. Why? Because people are God's prize. You are God's prize. He didn't send Jesus to clean up a situation, to settle some score. He sent Jesus because he loves people. And there's purpose in people. People are important. People are dear to God. And I don't think we can ever understand that in all of its entirety until we get to to heaven. But there is absolutely purpose in in people, you know, I've I've had moments where I felt like I got a little glimpse of, of God's heart for people. There was one time when we used to live, um, in the wilderness slash New York City, and uh, we lived in New York City for about uh, a little under two years, and it was it was a great season for a lot of reasons because I think we realized in New York City how much we love Florida. <laughs> Praise God, but. There were times when I would just be in the city and I'd be moving around. And there was one time I was walking 
to a meeting on Fifth Avenue and I was going up Fifth Avenue and it was bitterly cold and I had multiple layers on, a huge trench coat, I had gloves, I had a beanie on, I had probably other stuff on as well and I was just on my way to a meeting and I remember finding myself in the middle of, I don't know if anyone's done that, I found myself in the middle of a, a street full of people walk, walking. Has anyone experienced that before? But it's like, it's like you're in a crowd going to like a, a concert. It's the same thing. You find yourself right in the middle of just like a sea of people. And I remember walking up. I still have this picture in my head. I'm walking up Fifth Avenue, New York City with all of these people. And every single person was just going to work, going to work, living their life, doing their thing, ordinary, everyday people going to do their thing. And I was right there in the middle of it. And I just remember seeing this, this sea of people in front of me. And just having this moment with God right there where he said, I love every single one of these people. Every single one I love. And I remember thinking, I have no idea how that's even possible. But it is. So there is purpose in people. But if we can have that context, even just that limited context that I had, it helps me frame up my own relationships. That people are valuable. That people are treasured by God. That there's actually purpose in this person that's in front of me. This person that's in my world, there is purpose in people. God has a heart for people, which means there's purpose to your relationship. Psalm 117, verse 2, let me show it to you. For his loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 2 and verse 4, but but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love for us. In other words, his love for people. God loves people. He loves you. And he loves the people that are around you. And so often we can forget that. God thinks you're a big deal today. You're a big deal to God. And the enemy would love for you to feel like you're a minnow, that you're not worthy. You're not worthy. We sung about it today that you know, the, the gospel is simple. And I might have been told, you might have been told that you're not worth anything. You might have been told that God doesn't care. You might have been told that no one cares about you, but that's not what God's word says. His great love toward you. But that means there's purpose in people. So that's point number one. But point number two is this. So we're going to look at God's perspective and let's look at our perspective. Number two, I want you to write this down. People are people. If we're going to understand margin in relationships, we've got, to, we've got to understand that there's purpose in people. God loves people. He loves you. There's, there's purpose in all the people around you because he loves every single one of us. But we've also got to understand point number two, that people are people and that we are human after all and that we've got a whole lot of problems going on, that no, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. But let's get a firm grip on reality that people are people. There's brokenness in the world. There's hurt in the world. There's often tough times for people, not just us, but people around us. We're living life as people, but people are people. That's what Jesus was reminding these people about in Matthew chapter 7. He makes it so plain. I love it. He says, don't judge others. Because there's a lot about you that could come under scrutiny. Jesus says, be careful because you're just as human as they are. That you've got just as much problems as they have going on. And it's so easy in life for us to take that perspective, but we've got to understand that people are people. I love that Jesus in one verse makes plain exactly what we do as humans. As people, look at it in verse three. It says, 
Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Jesus in one verse in our Bible completely explains what we are all like. This is what we do. I.e., I'm messed up as all get out. But come over here, let me tell you what I see wrong in you. (laughs) You're messed up. I'm messed up. We've all got problems. That's why we need God. And that's why we need each other as well. But to go out there and point faults in other people, you know, it doesn't help you build any financial uh, relational margin. It doesn't. It doesn't help. What's helpful is when we understand that we've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all got problems. No one likes to know it all for a reason. Matthew chapter 7. No one likes to know it all because we've all got issues. We've all, we've all got things going on. People are people. I like the old saying, hunters are going to hunt, golfers are going to golf, and people are going to be people. We've all got stuff going on. I love the context that we can, we can operate out of where it's, it's okay just to, to understand that not everyone's perfect. You know, that's actually a very releasing, very freeing thing in relationships. If we put people in this, this spot that only God should be, that only Jesus should be, which is this, this place of perfection, and if we stop putting people in that place, it actually helps us build margin in this area. Because we, it's not like we're having this defeated, negative mentality, but we've got to understand people are people. We're finite. We all got issues. We go through things. But this helps us relate to people. So this morning, I wanted to give us some practical how-tos. I got nine this morning. This is next level. Last week was eight. Today is nine. But how do we build margin when it comes to relationships? And these are just a few things. These are going to be reminders for most of us, refreshers, but I believe they're going to help us. So number one, you ready? Number one, when it comes to relationships, don't try to be everyone's friend. You can't please everyone all of the time. You can't please everyone. Try being the lead pastor of a church plant. (laughs) You're not going to please everyone all of the time. But don't try to be everyone's friend because what that's going to do is it's going to stretch yourself too thin. And you're not going to have any margin for anyone. You're just going to know a lot of people. But don't try to be everyone's friend. It's futile. You can't do it. You can't make it happen, even though sometimes you feel like you need to. So that's number one. Number two, oh, this is, this is releasing. This is freeing. Just be yourself. When it comes to relationships, can I encourage you? Just be yourself. I love this Oscar Wilde quote. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Just be yourself. This helps build margin. If you are just yourself, It's going to help you, and it's also going to bless other people. The authentic you is what people are really interested in, the real you. Be yourself because the world needs the real you. The world doesn't need the performing you. The world around you doesn't need the the fake you. The world needs you just as you are. Number three, oh, this is a good one. Give people the benefit of the doubt. This will build margin. Give people the benefit of the doubt. I believe this is a cultural thing in our church. We've talked about this before in some of our team nights and our DNA meetings, but you've got to believe the best in people. Don't expect the worst. Just 
Just believe and give people the benefit of the doubt. If you hear a story, oh, so-and-so's doing this, and I heard, I heard everyone's talking about that. Usually when someone says everyone, it's like two people. Okay? But when we hear something, I want to be the type of person, the type of believer, leader, father, pastor, friend, where it's just like, I just give people the benefit of the doubt. I say, you know what? They're probably fine. Everything's probably okay. They're probably meant to do this. I, I just want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Believe the best in people. Even when there's people that from time to time irritate me, which doesn't happen very often because I'm so loving and patient and kind. But when that situation arises, not very often. This is honestly what I try to do. I try to think what I love the most about that person. And I think, you know what? Yeah, yeah this is going on, but man, they're so good at that. They're amazing. I love their heart for this and the way they approach that. And I just want to go there first. So give people the benefit of the doubt this morning. Let's overlook the errors quickly in relationships. This will help you. If we can overlook errors quickly, one of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 25 and verse 2. It says, it's, it's to the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search a matter out. See, what this is talking about is this is God's perspective. Whereas something happens as an issue where something's going on, God is just like, I'll conceal that matter. Other people don't need to know. But it's the glory of kings to search it out and to investigate and try to, try to find out what's going on, get the, the motives and the angles and figure it all out and talk about it. That's, that's the glory of kings, of people. But God is happy to conceal the matter because he sees everything. And I want to be the type of person where I, I don't need to go there. I can just give people the benefit of the doubt. Things like, hey, it's not a big deal. I love you. Let's just keep moving. No worries. Let's keep moving forward. Number four. Building margin in relationships. Give people space. Allow people space to be them. Let's not stifle people. Stifle people and let people, give people space to be themselves. And I love that we can encourage people. You know, you can't create someone's confidence for them. You, you can't force people to be a certain way. We've got to give people space. Number six. Number five. That's what I said. Number five, become a safe place for people. Become a safe place. How trusted are you when it comes to your own relationships in the world around you? How trusted are you? Can you keep people's confidence? I'm not saying that you know, we've got to go around and you know, talk about secrets all the time, but there are certain things that people don't want shared with other people. How trusted are you? Are you a safe place for someone to come? And talk and, and, just, and just talk and just get some encouragement. And hey, can I share this with you? How trusted are you? So become a safe place for people. That'll build margin in your world. Number six, meet new people. Meet new people. This keeps life fresh. You know, I think God, He wants us to intercept new people all the time. But often what we do is we say, I just want to stick to the people I know and just the people I know. And just, I don't want to talk to anyone else. And they're a known quantity, so I'm just going to go there. But let's be the type of people, I, I, I love meeting new friends. Yeah. I love meeting new people. In my, I love just talking to people, hearing their stories, stories I've never heard before. But this will build margin as you actually meet new people and have new people in your world, encounter new people in your life. It helps you build margin. Number seven, hold people with an open hand. Hold people with an open hand. Stage five clingers don't build margin. 
but hold people with an open hand. Because here's the truth, if we believe this about money, about resources that God's going to provide for me, you know you can believe the same thing about people. You know that you can believe the exact same thing about people, that God will bring people into your world. He will allow them to come in, but we've got to hold people with an open hand. Here's what we do sometimes. We find one person or a friend or whatever, and then we just like grip onto them and say, I don't want to talk to anyone else. I just want to be friends with one person. But God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to hold people with an open hand, be able to allow new people to come in. I like to say this, we don't own people. We're called to serve people. So we're going to hold people with an open hand. If someone decides, oh, Colonial Church is not for me, can I just encourage you? We don't own anyone. We're called to serve people. And I want to live like that because I'm excited about who God could bring into my world as well. Hold, hold people with an open hand. Number eight, criticize less, encourage more. The last, people that, the last thing that people want around is a critical person. People that are constantly criticizing and critical people just generally not fun to be around. And I wrote this down. I don't know if this works for anyone this morning, but a critical spirit usually shows up after familiarity sets in. And so I want to live my life when it comes to relationships, staying amazed. But when familiarity sets in, it's amazing how on the other side of that, criticism can come. And when familiarity sets in, it's just like, oh, now I'm going to start picking what, what I don't like and what should be better in a person. But if I can just stay amazed that that person is awesome. Criticize less and encourage more. Be the type of person that's, that looks at people that way and says, you know what? That person is awesome. They're amazing. You know, I want to be the type of person where I get amazed by people. You know, like around the corner, that person could do something awesome. That they, could, they just might have a breakthrough moment and I'll get to see it all play out and it'll be amazing. But if I sit there criticizing and nitpicking and oh, this and that, I might miss it. So criticize less, encourage more. And number nine, forgive more, forgive quickly. This will build margin in your relationships. You know, when someone wrongs you, which is ultimately going to happen, someone's going to say something to you that, gets you offside, rubs you up the wrong way. And you could easily take that as offense. But what if we're the type of people it's just water off a duck's back? Just like forget, yeah, it's, it's all good, man. It's all good. I also want to be the type of person that says, I'm sorry, quickly. It says things like, hey, I was wrong, got that wrong, messed it up. Sorry, man. But we've got to be the type of people that says, it's cool, let's just let it go and move on. Because this builds relationship margin in our world. What did Jesus say? say? He said, first, go and figure out where you're messed up. Go and figure out what you've got going on. Don't allow your own context to, to limit what this person can do, what this person has got to offer. But let's be the type of people that forgive quickly. You know, forgiveness is ultimately this, letting myself off the hook. Because more often than not, those people that have done that thing, they've moved on. They're moving on with their life and they're going and doing their thing, even if you've not, not forgiven them. But it's amazing how forgiveness just lets me out of the, the prison that I just made for myself. But this will build margin for you and for me. So my three points this morning were there's, there's purpose in people. Number two, we've got to understand that people are people. That building margin can happen, but if 
we put people in a place of perfection and on pedestal all the time that, that we're always going to get disappointed. People are people. And so and we are part of that group. And number three, as the team comes up, we've got to understand this, that Jesus died for people. Jesus died for people, which means he died for you. He died for you so that you would be able to encounter the life that God has for you. But it's such a sobering thought in life sometimes to realize that Jesus died for me and he died for them. In a relationship, it's an even playing field. It's balanced. We're called to balance the margin because on one side, Jesus died for me. On the other side, Jesus died for them. But Jesus died for people. He died for the people in your relationships. He died for the people in your, the other person in your marriage. He died for the children that are in your home. He died for the, the people that are in your workplace. The people that you encounter at work every single day and sometimes even in the mundane, ordinary, every single day life, we can forget that Jesus also died for the people that are in my office condo, for the people that, that are in my neighborhood, in my street. But if I can live this way, if we can live this way, church, where we understand the context of, man, there's purpose in people, that people, yeah, people are people, they're going to have issues. We're all, we've all got issues, but ultimately Jesus died for them too. Everywhere I go, man, Jesus died for them. Wow, I encounter that person on the street or maybe I'm going to the grocery store. It's just like, man, Jesus died for them too, as, as well as me. How much does that change everything? How much does my life change? How, how much does my perspective change? How can I, I can so easily build margin in when I have the heart that understands, man, God wants to get them as well. God is interested in being their Lord and Savior too. So here's our challenge when it comes to loving others with margin, that we would extend the same grace that's been extended to us that we'd live in a way where we have an availability of grace and, and margin for people in our world, that we meet people wherever they're at with grace, yeah. space and grace and the ability to just love on people with some of the love that God has given us. I want to finish with this verse. You can put it up. It's in John chapter 13. This is what Jesus said. He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, but look at these words, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another, just as I have loved you. You know, that's one of the most convicting words, lines, verses you'll ever read in Scripture. Because God is, Jesus is telling us to go and love the people in our world, not the way that we can love, not our logical understanding of what love is, not our, the love that even our parents showed us, but the love that Jesus displayed himself. Just as I have loved you. And I want to be the type of person, 
And I believe we can be the type of church that when we encounter people, when there's relationships in our world, yes, there'll be difficulties. Yes, there'll be struggles. Yes, there'll be moments where we're like, man, I just don't have anything for that person. I can't do it and we might have to walk away, but I pray that if you look across the context of our life and the, the entirety of our life, that we would take this scripture and say, you know what, I don't get it. I don't understand how it's possible, but I'm gonna do everything I can to love this person the way Jesus loved me, the way Jesus has shown his grace to me, the way he has showered forgiveness over me. I didn't deserve any of it, but for some reason I got it. Here I am. You're in front of me. I love you. You're awesome. And Jesus died for you. It changes things. I had a friend one time, they they said this, and I I just, I I love this thought, but, but they said this, they said, always remember your BC life. You know what I'm talking about? Like before you knew Christ, before you realized just how awesome the love of God is, they said, remember your BC life. Why? Because it'll put charge in your batteries. When you encounter relationships, when you encounter people, when you see people in front of you that don't know the love of God, but you know the love of God, it's like, man, I used to be like that. I used to be in that position. What could God do right here? How could this work out? How could this play out? Maybe it'll happen for them. That is relational margin in Jesus' name. Would you stand? Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it? We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.